Mr. Shy Maestro today. Shy, what's going on? Just doing a quick little check-in with uh, with Shy here before uh, his hit at the Jazz Gallery tonight. It's you and Jorge Roder, and who else? Want to tell us what's happening? Um, yeah, Alfred Hamia is playing drums, and we have uh, Mr. Philip Dizak join us on uh, trumpet. And uh, yeah, <coughs> we're about to record um, the next uh, record, my next record for ECM, uh, in two weeks, and it's going to be a quartet record, quartet slash trio. So this is actually our first chance to play with with Philip and. Wrote a whole new book of music, and man, he's killing it. It's beautiful. That's amazing. So this this is going to be a half and half trio record. It's going to be quartet, and how how is the music going to be divided up among? I actually don't know. I'm, I I sent him all the music. He did an amazing job learning everything by by heart. He knows it probably better than I do at this point. Um, and then right. we'll, yeah, and then we'll we'll see uh, what songs need trumpet and what songs it's uh, gonna stay trio or solo or duo or whatever. And uh, we're gonna record with uh, yeah. I mean, Manfred. Um, I heard the, the producer for ECM is gonna produce it, and so we're gonna give him, of course, some freedom to decide on orchestrations and stuff. So we'll just trying to come there with an open mind. Right. So you guys are gonna be recording and uh, talk a little bit about the the process because I know you've already put one record out on ECM. Talk about the process of recording with ECM and where and how things work and, and all the, I'm sure, you know, a lot of cats are really curious about how that goes down. Um, yeah, I mean, ECM, basically, they work with their own uh, studios. Uh, they have one in Lugano in Switzerland where we recorded the last one. Um, now we're going to record uh, in France. The The Swiss one was, uh, it was a pretty interesting experience. It was uh, totally live, uh, no booth, just one room and no uh, monitors and not even a bass amp so I had to kind of just like really lean in to, to hear what Jorge was playing because there, there's a piano between me and the bass and um, it was a it was a beautiful experience you know but it was very very challenging and this time I was like you know what I want to have I want to hear <laughs> actually what, right, the, what right. the guys are playing uh, yeah totally so in that experience was Jorge having trouble hearing himself or what was the vibe like I think he's in the best position because he's next to the bass and the bass is the weakest instrument unamplified so like uh, he he was actually the one who's hearing was hearing the most uh, detailed uh, he was having the most detailed sound but uh, yeah I mean I think all three probably had a hard time hearing him and and yeah it was it was challenging but uh, yeah so this time I was like hey let's record in the studio I'm going to be in the same room with Phil um, and then we're gonna have two different rooms: one for the bass, one for the one for the drums. And uh, uh, Manfred's thing is to record in two days. Um, the, my my fourth album was recorded in five days. We took like a long ass time in um, where were we? in, in in Sweden um, to really kind of like you know like record like three songs a day and really work on each and every one. I know you worked a lot on your right, uh, right. on your on your album like for that was like a, a year long yeah. process, right? Oh. So yeah, so five days is something that I can like. Okay, I, I can I can make an album in five days, but Manfred was like, nope, I'm making it in two, two days. So basically, it's a more or less like a first take kind of situation. Maybe second take, thirds are extremely rare. Uh, if you need to, you do it. But like he is, he's he's produced so many records that, and he's so experienced. That he, he, I mean, he usually know you know he knows that usually if you didn't get it by the second take on third take you're not going to get it on the 17th one you know right. it's just like you're just getting into your head and um so yeah it's going to be in and out um so i'm really happy we get the chance to play around uh, 
we had two shows yesterday, we have two shows today, and then uh, three more in France, so it's going to be seven in total before, so, which is great, because right, right. Dream Thief would be, was recorded with no concerts before. It was just like the first time we played with off, like pretty much the first time. Wow, that's absolutely incredible. So, the so how how many concerts did you perform? I missed that. I'm sorry. Seven, 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 seven concerts seven. before, and Phil's on all those concerts. Yeah. Okay. And what do you find? What's changed from the last CD working with Phil? Which you know, with your approach and everything, and and has it turned you on to some new stuff? Are you hearing things in a new way? Totally. Yeah. So the new album is gonna be. Um, like the compositions are improvisation based uh, some some of the stuff is basically um, not really transcriptions of, but like I try to keep like uh, to think about composition in a totally different way I you know thus far I, I, I've composed songs think about you know like I want to have like two A's and then maybe a bridge and a C part and then you can go back there blah 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 and, and this album is going to have a lot of stuff that is just like four minutes of unison just going at it and Whoa. yeah yeah like really really hard shit that that all of us are kind of getting um, including myself like all are get, we're getting our ass kicked uh there's an arrangement to uh, in a sentimental mood that just yeah, yeah. i remember you working on that. yeah 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 right so that, that's pretty much the hardest thing i have i have ever, ever had to play all, all of us and, and it was written originally for joel ross and myself um and then phil was like let me jump on in uh, on that and I was like are you sure I mean it's not written for Trump you don't have any place to breathe it's just basically like eight notes like all the way through so I said yeah just send me the send me the the, the you know like a MIDI file or something and, and then I'll make my own Sibelius file and I'll make my own part so he he found places to breathe <laughs> and then and then Jorge was like I want I want into so he he did the same <laughs> on bass and what they are doing together is is pretty insane like it's not it's they're really pushing their instruments to the to the limit it's hard for me too but like i'm i wrote it so it's kind of you know it's it works better for piano than it does for bass but like uh it's pretty pretty amazing what they're doing wow so um okay so the the seven dates when do you leave you leave for europe pretty soon right yeah on the fourth okay. february 4th so tonight at the gallery it's the same band as you or a phil phil no free. No free, right? So tell the listeners a little bit. I know a lot of people know you from, you know, gently disturbed and Abby Shy and all these kind of things. But yeah. what, what was going on before that? What, you know, before that, I think a lot of people ask about that. You know, that's when people you become like a on the scene <coughs> to to everybody. Everybody you become recognizable. But before that, uh, before that, it was like um, uh, classical music together with jazz, uh, quote-unquote quote jazz education. Uh, I went to a arts high school, and I did, like, a bunch of uh, shitty gigs, as we all did, you know. Uh, I used to actually play weddings on alto saxophone. Like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst alto saxophone player ever here. Yeah, it's, it's official. Um, but, yeah, as you know, I was composing a little bit. I, I, I was really... Um, I was uh, debating whether to go to um, to come to New York uh, or to go to India to study like tabla and like Indian percussion. Um, got a scholarship to go to Berkeley. I declined it for some reason. I didn't, you know, like I didn't feel like it was the right thing for me uh, to, go, you know, go, go to school. Um, I have nothing against schools, and you know, some for some people this structure is great. For me, it's it's really I I couldn't imagine myself getting homework to transcribe like a train solo. You know, I was like. That that should be 
made out of love, not love. <laughs> like, you know, it shouldn't be like, oh, fuck, I need yeah. to transcribe train. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not the right attitude for me. Uh, so I declined it. And then, um, yeah, and then Avishai called me when I was uh, eight, 17 or 18, I think. Yeah. Uh, but before, I was, just, I was just hanging in Israel. Yeah. So Avishai picks you up when you're 17 or 18, and it's a whirlwind of... You guys are working, touring, recording. It's and how long is that? Does that go on for? That's uh, five years. It's been the best and roughest school for me. Uh, you know, because I, I I really wasn't at the the I wasn't good enough to play with him and Juliana uh, at, the, at that time, um, and I had to kind of you know pull myself together and like, like I, I felt personally that I failed so many nights like night after night that I finished the game I was like fuck man I just like this is not going well and I'm, I'm gonna get fired you know all, all this kind of stuff and, and like uh, a lot of anxiety a lot of you know but but I, I came with like uh, my eyes and ears and heart wide open and like to learn something you know to learn anything everything anything I can from someone that I uh, someone that that uh, you know that was my my idol at that at that point um, and yeah, two years down the line, I, I felt much more uh, comfortable, and um, we're actually doing a reunion now of uh, w- with with him and Mark with that music, um, and I feel much much more comfortable. Right. And so, what is with the reunion? You guys did what was it, four or five nights at Blue Note? Yeah, we did a week at Blue Note, and then we have some stuff coming up in in Europe now. Right, and that's a couple tours. Or uh, I think it's yeah, a couple of weeks, and then we're gonna come back to the blue note at certain at certain point. Do do another run. So, how do you feel? I, I know we've talked about this before. You're also in high demand as a sideman when you allow yourself, or supporting artist when you allow yourself to be a supporting artist. Yeah. How do you find balancing that with? I think a lot of cats in New York. You know, this podcast we've really trying to aim for people that are real. Talk about people that are real working musicians, but also address people that are real working musicians and how they balance this kind of thing. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess first of all, it's a matter of character. I I just really love playing other people's music and putting putting their music through my my you know body, and my ears, my fingers, and and kind of like tasting another language. Uh, and I think if you if you have to prepare for a gig or a tour, and and I, I try to learn stuff by heart as much as I can. If if it's like a tour or you know if it's a small gig somewhere, I wouldn't put the time or effort unless it's with Herbie or something, you know. But uh, but um. I, 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 I really grow uh, from it, you know, doing, doing the playing Simon um, stuff. And so I, I, it's a constant um, talk I have with my, my manager. He's like, man, like I want to wanna get you to the right place in your career where you can get, you know, even better fees and you can yeah. play better clubs. And so you need to be exclusive and like to take it easy with, with Simon stuff. And I'm telling him like, Mike, like, look, listen, I, I under- it's, a, it's a blessing that I have someone that takes care of my of my career and and i'm super grateful for that um but you know i I, music has to come first for me and if you want me to uh provide you with um the best album i can you know so i need to play sideman stuff i need to i need to learn other people's music i need to get all these influences i need you know so so there's there's a there's a there's a balance i'm 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 trying to find I'm, i'm you know i'm trying to play with people I want to play and not take gigs out of like a financial distress or this kind of, you know, in, in a way, in a way I would rather like wash dishes in a restaurant than playing shitty gigs. Shitty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you're not the only person with that, you know, out, outlook whatsoever. 
whatsoever. I mean, there's some myself included. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are just trying to trying to survive in music, but also trying to make some sort of like artistic statement and play music because it really. It's, I find it's people that are really emotional and really care about music. You know, it kind of hurts them when they wind up having to play shitty gigs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, music can be treated as a. I don't want to say a holy thing. I mean, it's kind of. But in in a way, yes, you know, it's like in a way, it's like a it's a it's a chance for you to you know when you go on stage, it should be you should be present, you should be, Absolutely. you should be in it, and you should enjoy what's what's going on. Like at least at least like potentially enjoy. Like you know when you say yes to the gig, you, you need right. to know it's going to be fun. And, sure, like right. Sometimes there's shitty gigs, but but like if if you know in advance, it's like a musician you don't like to play with, and you don't like his or hers mu- her music, and and then like okay, I'd I'd rather pass. Then, then saying like, oh yeah, but that pay, pays well, and you know, and then yeah, it's oh, it's maybe it's a political thing, or maybe I can, yeah, like yeah, bullshit reasons, you know. I yeah, I feel if like if you stay true to yourself, like eventually it's uh it, it will it will prove itself, and you start getting called to do things that you know that are more in line with what you want to do. Um, yeah, yeah, I really believe that. Yeah, totally. So we have the Israeli uh, version of it, right? The, the Jewish, yeah, the Jewish version. Right. Um, so it's an arts art school. I mean, actually, there's like three great art schools, but like the one that I went to is the one that you know, like Abishai Trump, Abishai Cohen, the trumpet player, went to right? Jibri, uh, Omar Abital, um, Gilad went there, Itai Chris, uh, like a bunch of cats. Just you know, and and there was a guy there, a teacher that passed away. Actually, in uh, during school time with the students, he was playing basketball. With them, his name was, was uh, Amit Golan, and he. He's, oh yeah, you know, Amit Golan. I've heard about him. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. And he, so he used to live in New York for many, many years, and his like biggest um, inspiration was uh, Barry Harris, who was his teacher too. Right. And so like uh, he genuinely was in love with like bebop, and and you know basically like you know, from Art Tatum to to like sixties culture or Miles, for example. Right, like, right. That, that was his love. Yeah. And. Um, as a 14-year-old kid, um, coming from, I'm, I come from like this little countryside village uh, in, in Israel, uh, and that's before YouTube, and before the before Apple Music and all that stuff, and and so getting a chance to sit in class and listen to like Sonny Stitt and Sonny Clark and Red Garland and uh, Errol Garner and Fats Waller, James P. Johnson, all this kind of stuff, and 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 be exposed to. Um, like being next to a guy that is just so touched by this music like Daniel Dorr a friend of mine is a drummer yeah of course Dada Dada yeah, yeah right. so, so we we were together we were in the same, same class and, and we were sitting at the back of the class just being kids just like yeah. you know, making noise and doing stupid shit and then uh, while, while Amit was playing like uh, I can't remember why he was playing at the time it's like Sidney Bechet or something yeah and then and then all of a sudden we see that he started crying and we were like, yo, what the, what the fuck is happening? And then apparently he was just so offended that we don't respect the music that we immediately said like, oh shit. So we, you know, we kept quiet for the rest of the of the year, pretty much. And that experience stayed with me. I was like, wow, that guy really, really, wow. yeah, really, really loves it. Yeah. And so um, the what what you call quote-unquote jazz these days is a mixture of many 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 different things but you know you had you had Nick Payton here and and he's he's a 
thing now uh, for many many years is to give credit for the original creators of this music. Yeah, yeah, totally. Architects like you know Afro Americans and 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 so I completely agree with it, and, and I think these are the the most basic building blocks of of what we play. You know. Yeah. So of course, like when you, like to what you call jazz these days has so many other colors like totally it could be like you know now like moroccan music and then like israeli folk music and 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 cuban stuff and flamenco is in it and arabic music and so everything is there and everything is valid but really i think the basic language is is is, is afro-american uh, uh, music and so uh, i guess a lot of israelis just have this solid base of solid understanding of this of these uh, building blocks on which we can build uh, our sound. I don't know if I guess, I guess is, there is an Israeli jazz sound, but but you know what I mean. Like totally. Yeah. No, there is. There definitely is. Yeah. yeah. And I and I know that you've I know that you've got to run because you've got to make a concert up at the jazz gallery. But maybe yeah. quickly, and we'll we'll definitely have you back yeah. for a full well, yeah, right. length hang with. I think maybe it'd be yeah. nice to have you and Omar, and maybe a couple other people. <laughs> all like a great hang, and I'll have a bunch of, you know. Um, but just tell people what are like what five things you're trying to do in 2020. Oh, four or five things. Like in general about life. Like what are you trying to life? get? It? What's what's up for Shy Maestro? What are your goals for this year? Just to. Yeah, man, I'm trying to see where I want to live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a common narrative that's, in New York. For yeah, sure. that's the thing. Like New York is a, it has this like temporary stamp on it. Like, yeah, everybody thing, feels like, the same. Above, you know, yeah. like, all the cats that you're hanging with today are going to be gone in a few years. And yeah, so you're like, I guess be, I maybe I need to be gone. Yeah, you know, or, or should I, am I going to stand here? Sure. Yeah, yeah. But it's 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 not. A, I mean, there's always going to be new new people coming in. So like, I, I think New York is going to stay a creative hub. Whatever. Happens. Of course, yeah. Uh, That's but, what stays. <laughs> yeah, right. For sure. But you know, like one one of the things that that are one of the processes that are happening to me recently, and that are actually doing really good to the music, uh, I gotta say, is that I understand that music is not everything. <laughs> right, right. It's 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 weird. Like it's everything and it's nothing. Yeah. At, at, at the at, same at, time. At the same time. So in other words, I'll sit home and write this music for, you know, for this next album, and I'll I'll put in like I've just literally like months into it like hours every day like any any other musician you know it's like not, not anything special but people people take their job seriously and, and so so do i um um but it used to come with a lot of anxiety on on like as a, as a side as a side course you know yeah yeah like, of course yeah it was like totally. oh how is it gonna be how is it gonna be uh, received and then is, is it is it good is it not good and, and i'm kind of like tired of being afraid <laughs> Right, you right. Know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I got Having that weight of what someone's opinion is going to be on your shoulders yeah. or the ex expectancy or whatever that is, it's it's a drag, yeah, a major yeah, I mean, like, life sucker. Yeah, right. And we all like we all have a unique story. It sounds kind of super new agey. I'm sorry, but but it's just, it's I, I really actually do mean it. It's like we all each and every person has something unique to say, you know. And if you if you log into that channel of like it's okay to be me, and I don't need to. Try, you know, to try to conquer or manipulate people into loving me, but rather just like, let me just play the music that I love. 
I'm right. watching this documentary on Netflix about this guy who was a, it's like it's called Don't Fuck with Cats. You know this thing? No. It's like a documentary about them trying to catch a serial killer. I just started today, okay. but essentially this guy was just like creating pre- fake profiles of himself and you know writing fake reviews from other accounts. Oh, this guy is so beautiful yeah, and yeah. and it's just sick. And there's a lot of that happening in the arts right now because of digital media. And there aren't a lot of people that are just like. I mean, there are people that are just embracing themselves. Somebody like Nick Payton sticks out to me. Yeah. Orrin Evans, yourself. People, you know, and, and Joel Ross and Emmanuel, I got to hand it to them. Yeah, they're just, yeah. like, doing their thing, and people love them for them. Yeah. And those are really the people that shine through. You know, I'm trying to get into that, too. But it's you got to yeah, really yeah, own yeah, your yeah. shit. Yeah, I mean, from, um, I know you for many years, and I, I'll definitely put you in that, in that category. It's just, it's just kind of, in a way, it's, um, it's against the stream, you know, because everything that we see these days is, like, you know, instant likes and everything is photoshopped and meant to 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 yeah. to conquer you know you know um and i think actually there is a whole side of or like a, maybe like a smaller percentage of the market but it's still a lot of people who are hungry for truth you know what i mean like yeah in, the, in a trump era where everything is so like rah, 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 like everything is so loud there, there there are a lot of people who just want things to be cool and want something that someone that will speak the truth and that you can you can you know, communicate and, and interact with like with with the with the values that we grew up on, which are you know like be be an honest person, be a good person, yeah, do, do whatever. You know? The pretty much like the opposite of what social media. Right. Even though people try and spin it into something like make sure you see the sun and make sure you know it's hey this is yeah. me I'm at the beach and make sure right, you right. you know all this yeah. stuff. But social media is a whole other thing. I mean, I I think you can. You, the way I <laughs> do a I, huge yeah, podcast. Into the, you, yeah, podcast. yeah, but we'll um, get Omer in on that one. Omer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll talk to you about Homo's podcast. Yeah, Homo's uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pages. but um, you can. I, I just try, really try to use it as a tool of like, hey, you know, I'm doing this thing, this thing, and then like, like the the goal is the concerts. The creation, the, the the community-like experience of being on stage, sharing something with yeah, other, the stuff that's been real the whole time, right? Right. Yeah, and so if you just treat it as a tool rather than a mean, there as a goal rather than a goal, I think it's you can develop a much healthier relationship with it. And and I, I see, I mean, for us, you know, we spend a whole our whole lives just you know working on our craft and making sure we're just we're better musicians. But like kids that that are born into this Instagram era. Um, are starting from fishing likes, you know, from from, yeah. from hunting like they're starting from like from instant gratification. Trying to stay on stage, they're not working to get to the stage exactly. in a way, you know. Exactly, and that what what I see is just it's it, it leads in, uh, it, it translates directly into not doing your homework and not absolutely you, you know so like you see a lot of people who are huge instagram stars but like hey can can you play can you paint can you do all the things that you claim that you can yeah do? no you can but but you 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 know you bought this killing keyboard and it looks sexy and then you put this like beat that you just dragged and dropped into logic and yeah. and, and then you you're shredding pentaton like you, like the, random shit over it yeah and then and then people love that and and and, and that becomes the narrative yeah and, and exactly and that becomes the new sound of like stuff that i see as mediocre it's like man like we put like you, we, as i said like it's 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 nothing but it's everything at the same time like i put a long a long time in just learning how making to play your the music piano. quality yeah. or making your piano playing quality yeah, or like whatever with, it is with playing playing bass like you, you just transcribe 
shitloaded Ron Carter and, and took lessons. That's true. And, and, Mr. Carter, and, if you're listening, yeah, I love you so much. Yeah, me yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, everybody does, right? But you, you took it seriously, you still take it seriously. And, and then when, when, when people like that, people like Kurt, you, people, you know, they, when they post stuff, uh, I'm, I'm like, yeah, okay, cause so you get a peek into a, a real artist's life and, and that's cool, but I feel these guys, they didn't skip any step, you know what I mean? They didn't take any shortcuts. Well, in the initial stages of their development, there wasn't this huge social media thing going on. Right. They were focused on, and they're still focused, absolutely focused on playing. They're, their focus is exactly. absolutely there. Look, I have nothing against marketing. Like, we need to get people. Oh, we like, have to, you know, yeah. You, you gotta, you gotta have, get people to your gig. If you want to make a living out of being a musician, you gotta, you gotta let people know. And, and Instagram and social media is a wonderful platform of like, oh, I get to talk to thousands of people who are, who clicked my page because they, you know, they like what I do. So it's like, it's the most fertile ground right. to create motion, you know, to bring people to the gig. But, but that's it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, uh, it's, uh, it took over. It, it took yeah. over. It, it took, it, it. Because of the stimulus of, and I know we got to wrap up because you got to go. It's almost seven. And you got to go, but you know, just to say, yeah, he's like, I'll take a cab. You know, well, luckily we're not that far in an undisclosed location. Um, you know, just to say that the medium of video overtook audio in humanity sure. in a way, so people get More snapped senses. up in a clip or something like that. I mean, also on the other end of the sword, somebody. And I, I went to, and did some workshop in China once, and they had this TV where they just watched Smalls live. Mm -hmm. And they just got to see Tavon or you or whoever just, like, shredding over mm -hmm. different stuff. So there's definitely another yeah, end of it, too. Like the more senses that, you know, like the, the, the media can take over, the more, like, appealing it is for, for audience to get sucked into it. To right. So, like, once they figure out the smell stuff and, and the, right. the touch, you know, like, we're, we're, we're in the matrix, you know? Exactly. So... Exactly. <laughs> it's just a... Uh, yeah, but I, man, I really, I believe, and it's hard to say when we have Trump as president, but I really believe the truth will, will win eventually, you know, yeah. if you just stay true to your craft, stay true to yourself, you know, put, put your head down to keep, keep yeah. working, it, it will be okay. And, and I think that the best examples of it, of this are, are, are the giants who are, you know, like you look at Herbie, you look at Chick, you look at, uh, you know, Roy Haynes, McCoy Tyner, like, yeah. you know, the cast that are, that stayed relevant their entire lives just being bad motherfuckers. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Perfect. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's a great place for us to end. Uh, Shy's got to run and play at the Jazz Gallery. Shy and I will be appearing at Mesro yes, on April 19th. Shameless self-promotion, as yeah, we just yeah. talked about. So I think that's... Like a, our page. Like our page, come see us at Mesro. <laughs> Uh, Sunday, April 19th. Oh great talking to you, Shai. Love you, man. Have a great gig tonight. Let's get you out of here. All right, guys. Peace.